You're listening to a sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. We exist to see lost people saved, saved people matured, and mature people multiplied, all to the glory of God. For more information, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com. Okay, so we're going to take a, a break today from our series in Romans. And I, we've been watching online uh, from time to time when we can, catching up. And I've absolutely, I've been blessed. I don't know about you, going through the Romans. Uh, but even as we were thinking, like, okay, what can I speak on this morning? Um, I'm like, I think, it, I think it has to be hope. Not even knowing about the Advent uh, thing that we're going to do and, and talk about hope. It's just like, does anyone here need more hope? I think that's the this, this season that we're in, and it's just so cool, even as kind of planned the message, it actually ties in with what we talked this morning, not even knowing that at all. Uh, back in like middle of March, you know, when things kind of started shutting down uh, the first time, we wanted to get to Red Deer, we couldn't meet with people in person, so I'm like, well, what can we do? We, we started this Bible study um, on Zoom. I wanted to look at the attributes of God, I wanted to everyone in the midst we're going to, let's look to see who God is, because I agree with A.W. Tozer, when he said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And as we were going through different attributes of God, of, of who he is, say looking at God, is, he's all-powerful, he's all-knowing, he's sovereign. We kept landing back in Isaiah chapter 40, like over and over again. And uh, so that's where we're going to go today. If you have a Bible, if you want to open it up, Turn it on, however you get there, to Isaiah chapter 40. We'll be looking at verses 21 to 31. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at God. And as we look at who God is, I hope we can take our eyes off of ourselves, take our eyes off of today, like December, sorry, December, skipping, November 29th, 2020, and step, step out of that and just gaze at who the Lord is. Get our eyes off ourselves, trust and hope in the Lord, and he will renew our strength. And that's my prayer, even in preparing this message uh, for myself, for you, is that however you come in, that you would leave this morning with more hope, an increasing measure of hope because we've looked at who God is. So I'm just going to pray one more time and ask the Lord to bless his word this morning. God, I thank you so much uh, for this church, uh, for the, the convictions that they stand for, for the time that we've already had and singing songs to you, being reminded Lord Jesus, that you came as a little baby. And as, as I now speak this word, as we look into the prophet Isaiah, may you speak through me. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would bless this word, minister to our hearts, give us an increasing hope in you, God. And I pray you bless this time now in Jesus' name. Amen. So just a, a little bit of background uh, to Isaiah as we kind of jump into a, a different book than the one we're currently in. Uh, of course, it's the prophet Isaiah, and he ministered pretty long time uh, through the reigns, the end of King uh, Uzziah as he died, all the way to King Hezekiah. That's like 739 B.C. to 680 B.C. Pretty long time. And, and during Isaiah's time of ministering, the Assyrians were growing as a strong uh, power in the world, and Israel and Judah, their influence was fading quickly. And... Um, the book of Isaiah is, is so distinct. Like the first half, chapters 1 to 39, is like this book of judgment. Judgment on the nations. But then the second half is so completely different. Chapters 40 to 66 
It's been labeled a book of comfort. And even someone pointed this out to me the last service. There's 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. There's 40 in, or sorry, 39 in the, the first part, and there's 27 in the second part, much like the scriptures that we have ourselves today. Not to press any harder on that, I think that's just really cool, but majority of scholars, because there's a strong distinction in Isaiah, they're like, oh, like Isaiah didn't write all of the Bible. Or, uh, sorry, all of that book. Because it's so different. Because chapters 40 to 66 takes this drastic turn. It's actually written to like uh, the Jews in exile. Or still in the land as the people have been removed or are coming back again before it ever happened. Like 150 years before it ever happened. But I don't, I don't actually think that is much of a problem. Um, every New Testament writer who quotes Isaiah, whether from the first part of the book or the second, they all like, Isaiah is the author. Even in John uh, chapter 12, verses 38 to 41, he quotes Isaiah 53 and Isaiah 6, attributes them both to Isaiah. And I don't think it's really a big deal. If you believe like God, the one who spoke everything into existence, inspired men to write this book, like he can speak into the future before it happens quite easily. And I think he did that in the book of Isaiah. So Isaiah 39, just before we get to the text, so uh, what happens? It's King Hezekiah. He invites this envoy, this group, these ambassadors from Babylon, not even yet like this strong nation, kind of like a show and tell, a bragging, like, hey, look at all my gold, <laughs> all my treasures. And he brings them around Jerusalem. And then Isaiah tells Hezekiah after, yeah, in a number of years, they're going to come, they're going to ransack this whole place and take it all away. And then if you get into Isaiah 40, if you look at verse 1 and 2 with me, it's like this message to the people as it's, it's already happened. Like Jerusalem perhaps has already been destroyed. It's writing to those people in the future to comfort them. The trial that they're going through. If you look, Isaiah 40 verses 1 and 2. Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. That her iniquity is pardoned. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And then there's this powerful message spoken to the people. If you look at, it begins at uh, verse 9. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. And that's what we want to do this morning. We're jumping into the second part of this message, and starting in verses 21 to 31, if you'll follow along with me. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither. And the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. 
the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. May the Lord bless his word to us this morning. If you'll go back, Isaiah 40, 21 to 24, I want us to see in this section that God is ruler. He is ruler over all. You notice in in 21, this refrain, do you not know, do you not hear, has it not been told you from the beginning, have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? Basically saying like, don't you guys remember, you already know this, let me tell you the things that you already know, let me remind you about who God is. Maybe you've forgotten. In verse 22, it is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in. Amazing. This, this message to the people in exile, remember who God is. The immensity of God is on display, right? He sits above the earth. He is above us all. He is so much bigger than us. The heavens are like a tent for God to sit in. Our God is big, bigger, bigger than we could ever describe. Like words don't do justice to the immensity of our God. Is this the God you know? When Solomon dedicated the temple, 1 Kings 8.27, he said this, But will God indeed dwell on the earth? Behold, heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, how much less this house that I have built. And even as we see like how big God is, we know human in our hearts, like we want ourselves to be big. We don't want to acknowledge that he is in heaven, but we want to reach to the heavens. We see this, you know, in Genesis uh, in the Tower of Babel. As, as these people all get together, they're like, can we build a tower to the heavens? Because we want to be there. Even in our own day and age, it's still, people want to build the biggest tower. Because there's something about we want to show how big we are. Just looking at some of the biggest towers in the world, the, the biggest is the Burj Khalifa in Dubai, and it's over 2,700 feet. That's like four and one-thirds Calgary Towers on top of one another <laughs> up in the sky. It's pretty tall. But it, so then the second one, the Shanghai Tower, is just over 2,000 feet, but it's the tallest twisted building in the world, however it was made. Then the third, the Avraj al Bayt, excuse my pronunciation, it's just under 2,000 feet, but it also claims it's in Mecca, Saudi Arabia, it's the tallest building with a clock face. So even if, if you can't be the tallest building, you have to be the tallest with something else to set yourself above everyone, right? Because we, you're big, I want to be bigger. But then we read this text and it's like God's like, yeah, that's where I put my feet is on top of the heavens, right? It's just like a tent to live in, like God's so high and above all those things. We can never reach him. We are grasshoppers. And it's humbling. And this God who is so immense, look at verse 23. It says, he who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. I was uh, reading in scripture this, this week in Daniel chapter 5. Maybe you know the story or heard it growing up. And it begins with Belshazzar. He's the current king of Babylon in, you know, in the future as that becomes the kingdom. And they're having this big party and they're like, hey, why don't we get those golden cups that we got? 
from Jerusalem years ago and let's drink our wine out of them and, and have this big party. And then this hand appears on the wall. And no one knows what the hand says. It writes some words. And then you get Daniel. And Daniel can interpret it by the, Lord, uh, by the Lord's leading. And what it says is, you have been found, been weighed, and found wanting. And your kingdom is going to be removed from you this very night. And King Cyrus shows up and that guy's gone. And now it's the Medes and the Persians who raise. In a moment, right? That is our God who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Look at verse 24. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. I don't know about you, it reminds me of like dandelions. We, right now it sounds like a good thing, right? Dandelions. <laughs> when the sun hits it in the springtime, all of a sudden those little yellow things, they pop up everywhere. Just, wow, where did they come from? But they're there for a week. And then literally, turn to seed, a wind comes, blows them and they're gone. That quick. That's what Scripture actually says about all of us. Isaiah 40, verse 7, The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. And not only is that true for all of us, that's true for every world leader. Right? And even, again, in uh, Daniel chapter 2, it's reading this, greatly encouraged by it. Uh, Daniel, or Nebuchadnezzar has this vision. Maybe you remember it. He has this vision of this statue and this his top is gold and kind of midsection is silver and bronze and then it's like iron and clay mixed together and Daniel is the only one who can interpret the dream and what it is it's the world powers at that time the gold that was the kingdom of Babylon had its time in the sun then the next was the Medes and the Persians and they had their time and then after that Greeks like Alexander the Great and after that the Roman Empire and even while he sees this dream this rock appears that's not cut by human hands, and it smashes that, all those kingdoms. And the rock continues to grow and grow, and that is the kingdom of God. Amen? And, and, and it's true of the day and age that we live in, like kingdoms rise, kingdoms fall, but the kingdom of God will continue to expand. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen? And so we just, I want to remind you of that in the day and age we live in, in our time, as we look to different Countries, whether it's China or the States or our own Canada, our province, Alberta, Calgary, Cochrane, Airdrie. Absolutely, we need to pray for our leaders, but we shouldn't worry or fret over them because they'll ha they have their time, and when their time's up, they'll be gone. And we need to remember that God is truly the ruler over all. Let's get the right perspective. Look at verses 25 to 26. I want us to see God is holy. There is none like him. Verse 25, To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Who is like God? Like all of us, if you're describing someone that you know, you're like, oh, they're like, you know, so-and-so. They're like this height, have this hair, these color of eyes, whatever. Who are you going to compare God to? God is like none other. That's one of the, the definitions of holy, he is separate. He is different than us. Of course, other aspect of holiness is his righteousness. He does everything right all the time. He abhors evil. But I think Isaiah here is really nailing down like God is like none other. As we see in, in verse 26, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. 
He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. And you think that the people, maybe if they're exiled in Babylon, in that area, like some of those people would be worshiping the stars. And God's reminding them, hey, I made the stars, I put them in place, and not one is missing because of my power. One commentator almost said it's like, it's like God, it's like an owner telling a dog to stay. That's, that's who God is. That's who the stars are to him. Hey, you stay here, you stay here. And to get a grasp of what that means, one commentator writes this, Larry Walker, it is said that on a clear, moonless night, about 3,000 stars are visible to the unaided eye. A small telescope increases the number to 100,000. These stars are all in our Milky Way galaxy, which numbers about 100 billion stars. When I read it, they're either 100 to 400 billion. You're not entirely sure. And around 100 billion of such galaxies are known to exist. Which again, the number just balloons to such an extent, they're like, what does that even mean? It means there's like a mass amount of stars out there, and every single one of them God put in place, and it won't go until he says so. Amazing. I just want to encourage you, one way to apply this message is sometime in the next little while when it's not cloudy at night, like get out of the city, go somewhere, get out of your car, and look at the stars. And get a greater hope. God is the one who put them there and is keeping them there. That's our God. Amen. God is holy. I want us to see in, in verses 27 to 28 that God is intimate with his creation from the stars to our lives. Look at verse 27. Oh, sorry. Yes. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? If you think like those people in exile, they're asking like, where are you, Lord? I thought we were the covenant people. Why this happened to us? Do you even care? Do you see what is happening? And even as we know, we know more of the story, even as we know what happens later on in Isaiah, right? Isaiah 45 God calls out Cyrus, King Cyrus by name. I'm going to use you. You're going to be my servant. You're going to bring back my people. Amazing. That's why scholars have a hard problem. 150 years before it happened, by name, God says, I'm going to use this guy. He's going to bring my people back. So God didn't forget them. If we know, if we read Ezra and Nehemiah, God not only used the pagan king to bring them back, but he also used other pagan kings to bankroll the rebuilding of the temple and, and the walls in Jerusalem. Amazing. So we know their way was not hidden from God. God was watching them all along. I don't know about you, but can we ask those same questions right now? Like, God, where are you? Why is this happening? Do you see me? Do you see what is going on? And just, just a thought to this. Why is it that when we suffer or go through trials, we can feel like God is far from us. But when we're in good times, times of material prosperity and comfort, we assume God's closeness. When actually, I'd almost argue it, it can be the other way around. One, God is always with us, but it's in those trials that we should seek Him like never before and draw close to Him. But I just want to also remind you before moving on, that God is always with us, each one of us. Just looking at Psalm 139, 
verses 1 to 5. The psalm that David wrote. And David wrote this. Be encouraged. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Amazing. God is intimate with us. Look at, at verse 28, kind of like an answer to that ongoing question, God, where are you? Do you see what is happening? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And just, just kind of going through here quickly, because there's so much to say, I just want you to see some of these attributes of God just in this one verse. First, the Lord is the everlasting God, the eternality of God, the great I am. No beginning, no end. Just so, if anyone ever kind of asks you that question, they're trying to stump you, like, so how old is God? It's like, that's, that's not even a valid question, because he's eternal. You're like, come on, man, you got to do better than that. God is eternal. Secondly, we see here, the creator, he's the creator of the ends of the earth. And I just want to say, like, the order of the world that we're in screams that there is a creator, right? Think of the seasons. It's like we all know, like, winter, man, it can be tough, but we all know spring is coming because God has ordered it that way, the water cycle, the human body, how amazing and intricate it is because he has created everything to the ends of the earth. We also see here, he does not faint or grow weary. He is all-powerful. He is inexhaustible. You know, just to sum up the second law of thermodynamics, like things break down. <laughs> and anyone who has a science background is like shaking their head. <laughs> They're like, oh man, this butchered it. But all I want you to see is that God wrote the law of thermodynamics. He is the one who made it happen. He never gets tired. He never gets weary. That's the Lord that we serve, and his understanding is unsearchable. He is all-knowing. Pastor Erwin said this, has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? <laughs> I love that. I'm just going to say it again. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? Like, that is the God that we serve. And so we're just quickly, we're just hitting all these like huge attributes that you can spend a lot of time talking about. I would encourage you, if you want to know more, there's a, like a free PDF, a book called The Attributes of God by A.W. Pink. And it's like each attribute is listed in like one page. So you could easily read devotionally if you want to continue to, to just think on our Lord in, in that way. I would, I'd encourage you to pick it up. A.W. Pink, The Attributes of God. This is our God. Look at verses 29 to 31. I want us to see here now, uh, to hope in our God. Wait on Him, trust in Him, find your strength in Him. 29, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, He increases strength. You think those, again, who may read Isaiah in exile or heard it read, waiting, tired, watching, asking when? When, Lord? When will this be over? Again, it, 
Is that not us today? Like, I don't know about you, but this is exhausting. It's like draining mentally. But I just want to encourage you that God gives us strength. Like, just like when we're weak for lack of food and we eat the food and our eyes are quickened, that's the way God gives us strength. And we can go to him in our tiredness and our weakness, as this passage will continue to say. Look at verse 30. Even you shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. Again, being weary, being tired just because of like young people. And that, that second a phrase that talks about uh, young men, that's talking about young people in their prime, like in the best shape of their life physically. Even, them, even they can get tired. We know this. Even, uh, years ago, I, was, uh, I made a bad decision, and the, the youth group that I had, they convinced me, hey, let's do an all-nighter at the church. That'll be fun. <laughs> and so the idea was like games and food and teaching and kind of just keep doing that and like losing leaders. like, oh, I'm too tired. And, and, and then you try to teach a lesson to a kid at like 4.30 in the morning. Like that goes over well. And then kind of like we wanted to culminate with a, with a breakfast at, uh, at like 7 a.m. This is how we're going to finish. And all, every single person was like done, angry at the world, like bitter. They had lost their strength. They had got weary. So we know it can happen. Youthful energy doesn't last forever. I just want to say this here to uh, teenagers, young people with us. This time, this, this sense of loss, whether it's graduating or celebrating or getting together with friends or sports or different activities and like all gone, like that is tough. That is really hard, actually, uh, to deal with. It's tiring. It's exhausting, even for young people. And we, we all feel it. We all feel this weariness, this heaviness. It's, it's dark outside. There's a darkness in our world. But look, but look at verse 31, right? But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And that, that idea of, of waiting, that Hebrew word, it can be translated like wait on the Lord or trust in the Lord or hope in the Lord. And it's, it's, it's not like just like, you know, hoping in something that like may happen. Like you could hope for a mild winter. <laughs> but up here in Calgary, I think that might be okay. I was the other day, it was like eight degrees here. It's like minus three in Red Deer. How is that even possible? We're like an hour and a half away. So... I can't hope in, in mild weather. Perhaps you can. But it's hoping in something that's absolutely certain. It's hoping in God. That's the kind of hope that we're talking about. And think about it for the original hearers here of Isaiah. They're waiting in exile. When is, that, when is it going to happen, Lord? Even if, as they read through, perhaps Isaiah's other prophets came, this promised Messiah who's going to come. He's going to set things right. He's going to bring justice. And even as they return to the land, they're waiting and watching. And I, and I love, I didn't know this before about the Advent candles, each one representing 100 years, right? Because Malachi was the last prophet in the Old Testament. And then silence for 400 years as they're waiting in anticipation. When is that Messiah going to come? But we know he came. Right? The promised Messiah, one they had been waiting for, 
Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, the Lord saves, was born of a virgin. And so their waiting was not in vain. Because God is faithful to His promises. And so even as we write the candle of hope to remind us that Jesus came, I want to just encourage all of us, how, how do you have hope in this time? For some here who are hearing this message, maybe you're trying to live this life on your own strength. You're trying to do your own thing. I just want to encourage you continue to learn more about Jesus. Grab a Bible and start reading through the Gospel of Luke. You get the story of the birth of Christ. Continue to learn about, more about who Jesus is, what he has done. And then even during this season, like, listen to those old Christmas songs, right? God rest you merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born on Christmas Day. Save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. Like, wow, that's in the song? Amazing. Amazing. Listen to these old Christmas songs. You know, because there's so much more than, yes, Jesus came born as a baby, but we know why he came. 1 Timothy 1.15, the Apostle Paul says this, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And then Paul would say, of whom I am the worst, and we could all argue who actually is the greater sinner. But in doing so, let's all run to Jesus Christ who died for our sins. So I encourage you this message and you don't have a living hope in Jesus Christ that you would surrender your life. A simple prayer. God, take my life. It's yours. Because of what Jesus did. Put your, your faith and hope in Him. And Everyone here, again, look at 31, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. How do you wait on the Lord in this season? Like this is going to be, this is a Christmas season like no other. <laughs> of thoughts of how you could apply this word. One is go back to Isaiah 40. We only, we went quickly through the second half. Just like sit in Isaiah 40, read, who is God? Behold God. Uh, this evening at 6.30 here at the school, they're having a Christmas carol sing and prayer. Like, what else is on your schedule? <laughs> really? Like, come and be encouraged. Come and find hope. Listen to those old Christmas songs in your home. Here's, here's another thought. Like, turn our frustrations into prayer. I don't know about you, but in a, sometimes in a day, like, Man, I'm just getting so upset. Like, ah, oh, why is it like this? Why, is, why are these things happening? Turn those into prayers to God. God. Oh, God, help me. Give me patience. Give me grace. Help me, the, the people I meet with, to meet with them with kindness and gentleness. Right? Like, we're all like, this is not how it's supposed to be. But really, friends, like from Genesis 3 on, when Adam and Eve took the fruit, it's never been how it's supposed to be. We live in this broken world, but us who have faith in Christ. Oh, Lord, help us. Help us to be a light. And then even, I don't know where you're at in your Bible reading, like get in Luke 1 and 2 and just think on, meditate upon the birth of Christ. 
Right? Like, so in Isaiah 40, you have like the transcendence of God. Like, God is so high and mighty. He's, he's up there. He's amazing. But in the birth of Christ, we have the intimates of, of God the Son, the nearness to us. How amazing that God became a man. The light of the world. I don't know about you, but you know, at times, you know, you can be distracted with different things, both now or, or whatever it is. But wouldn't it be really cool if we just got so dominated with our thinking, the birth of Christ, and how amazing that is? That's like we, we actually miss the next government announcement. Like, oh, did you hear what they said? Like, I didn't hear what they said. Because my mind was so transfixed on how an infinite God could be clothed in human flesh and crying as a baby. Like, that's profound. Lord, grab hold of our minds that that's what would dominate our thoughts in the month of December. And I pray that in this you would gain strength and not be weary, but find hope in the Lord. Continue on verse 31, we see the fruit of this hope. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. A few, a few years ago when I was at seminary in Cochrane, like God's perfect timing, I came out of the seminary building and there was this bald eagle just flying like right at like eye height. And I just watched it. It was so awesome. And then it just kept it just gliding kind of in the wind. It just kept going higher and higher. As I'm walking home, I'm just watching it. And eventually, it's too high. It was gone in the sky. But it wasn't like struggling. It wasn't flapping its wings. It was just gliding. I think that's this, this picture of as we trust in the Lord, as we wait on the Lord, as our strength is renewed, it's like we're going about life from a place of, of resting in Him, a place of peace, knowing the one who is in control. I just want to say this also in, in ending. Friends, don't waste this trial. I don't know about you. We've all prayed for like, I want to know you more, Lord. I want to draw closer to you. And we've had so many things that we haven't wanted to remove from us. But in this, seek the Lord. If you've ever wanted like a great prayer life, this is the time. In our struggles, let's get on our knees, let's seek the Lord. He wants to build up and strengthen his church in this time. We are to be people of hope. I'm saying this as one who has struggled with hope. Even I picked this passage, oh God, I need to look to you. I want to hope in you in this time. Don't waste this time. Seek the Lord in it. He will strengthen you. Hope in our God. Wait on him. Trust in him. Find your strength in him going to close this time in prayer and, and then we'll go to a time where we take the Lord's Supper. Oh Lord, God, we can never do you justice how big, how amazing you are. But I pray that these words that I spoke, Lord, you would seal them on our hearts, upon our minds. In the days to come, we'd be reminded of them. Oh God, continue to strip our lives of other things we hope in that we would just be so blessed as we have you, the creator of the heavens and the earth. I pray even that this, this December would be, yes, it's one like no other, but one where we draw closer to you like never before in worship and praise. Oh God, you are worthy.
So seal this word in our hearts. Holy Spirit, apply it to our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Redemption Church, Calgary North. For more information about our church, visit redemptioncalgarynorth.com.